I'm your host, David Cameo, and we are Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe. And today we have a very special treat for you. You may know him on The Walking Dead as Sebastian Milton, son of Pamela Milton, president of the Commonwealth, of which we are currently in, in season 11. But we know him as Teo Rap Olson. A little backstory on how this interview got started. A while back on Teo's Instagram, he had a dead link pointing to his website field in his Instagram profile. I pointed it out, and he was very appreciative and lines of communication were open since then. He had asked about advice on where to go in Chicago. I lived in Chicago for about a decade, so I could give him some tips. He came back and thanked me for those tips when he when he finally returned. I said, asked him if he was having a good time, and, and he said, yeah, it was, a, it was a blast. And I was like, that's great. Months later, I talked to him about a possible opportunity to perhaps interview him somewhere down the line. Uh, we'd been talking every now and again, and it was just kind of a fun little banter. And he said, yeah, totally, sure. I brought it back to our Squawking Dead Discord, which you can join for as little as a dollar a month by joining the Walkers tier at ko-fi.com slash squawkingdead. And one of our Survivors tier members, Aliza Jones 71 on Instagram, had said, maybe you should do something at the Living with the Walking Dead exhibit at Museum of the Moving Image. I took that suggestion and ran with it to Teo. And Teo had said he was totally game for it, but he and I were both going to be going on vacation. So basically, a month and a half to two months later, we came back, we reached out to one another, and we coalesced on doing this on Labor Day. We head out there, we do our interview, he is reacting to exhibit set pieces, props, set designs, prosthetics even, and throughout the interview we kind of touched on both the materials that were used in the show, but also fascinated by the things that he was drawn towards during the exhibit, answering some questions from fans, answering some of my questions, and it was just an all-around great time, as you will hear shortly. A little disclaimer, there are some things in this interview that I've chosen to take out for the sake of context, since most of the things that he's reacting to are visual, and to narrate what he's looking at each step of the way is going to be a pain in the butt, and instead I would highly recommend you watch the actual video which we posted on YouTube. It's in 4K, and it's very visual, so I highly recommend checking that out. It's about an hour and a half long, and if you want to get the original, unedited, unfiltered recording, which I highly recommend. It will contain things like little jokes that didn't land or little jokes that we just didn't feel like would be appropriate in the final cut, as well as a whole section of our recording devoted to meeting some of the fans at the museum. Really great questions that he answered in the midst, and we talked about ourselves a little bit too. It was a little opportunity to talk about what we do. That whole chunk of conversation we've taken out of this uh, final recording for supporters who support us at KODS fi.com slash squawking dead you can buy us a coffee and get access to that the link to that unfiltered recording is in the description of this podcast as well as the description of the video should you decide to watch it so without further ado here is our interview with taylor rap olsen i hope you enjoy it and if you do let us know by rating us at ratethispodcast.com slash squawking dead five stars and an eggplant is all we need to know that you love us but tell us what you liked tell us what you didn't like tell us what we should have asked Teo. but remember to tell us after every episode take care everybody enjoy and we'll see you at the end of this. Dude, how's it going? We are Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we give you news, sometimes we make you laugh, but most times we go deep. I'm here with Taylor App Olson. How we doing, man? Good morning. And we're here to check out the Museum of the Moving truck. Image. Man, what a truck. I know, right? I'm out of 10. No, but actually we're here for this museum. We're here for the Living with the Walking Dead exhibit. That's it. That's it. All right. Like horror, zombie horror. Have you 
have you actually so you haven't really been like more of a horror fan uh, so I uh, was I, I am now I'm quite into horror um, Walking Dead was the first time I'd ever seen anything with zombies that actually I got super into it uh, mm-hmm. so while I was watching like I mean because I, I picked up probably I think like season two mm-hmm. um, and was watching at that period of time but like ran out got the book World War Z got obsessed with that was really stoked for the movie Less stoked when the movie came out. Right. You know, I stoked for it. <laughs> um, but no, I got like super into the concept through uh, Walking Dead, but I was still uh, a little itchy around horror movies for a while. Gotcha. Um, and then a friend took me to, um, oh God, what was the movie? Um, the Ari Aster movie. Um, <laughs> it's going to come back in at some point, like 40 minutes into this while we're walking down. Right. Which was what he was most likely thinking of was either Hereditary or Midsummer movies that were directed by Ari Aster. He never got back to this question. That was kind of like the first time where I was like, okay, I can see like the art to this and like right. what it is is a genre that isn't just like wait for a pop out. Yeah, and well, we were even thinking like, we just recently talked about this and how like, uh, I mean like zombie horror or grindhouse or any of those genres they're they tend to lean towards the ridiculous or like the i mean almost fourth wall breaking kind of stuff and i mean for a reason because like you you either have this very dissatisfying ending clearly uh or um or you kind of have to keep going ridiculous so that you know audience could be satisfied so uh so when you see something like the walking dead you're like okay i can take this seriously Mm -hmm. and be invested and just game theory everybody up so Mm -hmm. so they keep watching yeah yeah yeah. so uh so you said you'd you'd watch the second season and i mean i i started watching around the second season um i was in college uh when it came out and i literally was hanging out with a friend who was like hey you should check out this pilot uh show me the first episode and i was hooked um and kind of what you're going off of what i really loved was that it felt like, I mean, it was actually trying to ground this as close to reality as possible. I mean, what, like moral questions. Right. It's very, it's not black and white. It's very gray of like, what would you do in these situations? Yeah. There isn't necessarily right and wrong as much. I mean, you start to see like, yeah, maybe like go try to save that family, but you're most likely going to get killed you're doing it. Exposed, yeah. Yeah. And so I thought that was what kind of set it apart from a lot of other things kind of in that horror genre at the time was, I mean, you take most zombie movies and it's like survive this one instance at the mall and get out of there. Right. This was like what happens three months after the mall. Right. What happens right. four months after. Right. And and like the further along you go, you realize, I mean, I don't know, I realize I, that's, I'll never be like that. That's, that's, it's not a, you know, that's like an extraordinary circumstance. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, as you find, well, as you, as you know, as Sebastian, it's like, how did you last that long? Mm-hmm. Right. So mommy it, it does make you think. Yeah. I mean, even like some of the characters on the show, you, you realize that they, uh, how did they make it? Like you, Eugene, for example. And, but then you realize, well, that's life too. I was life is luck too. No, I think it's life is luck, but also like he has, I mean, you take Eugene has a, like, an incredible attribute, which is his intelligence. Yeah. His ability to think outside the box, come up with inventions. So he becomes um, extremely necessary to a lot of groups who are then willing to use resources to keep him yeah. alive. Yeah. Once they realize that he has value too. Mm-hmm. So. Exactly. So, but, but even then, the, the thing that saved him was more guile and mm-hmm. the lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it just amazes me how the way, how sometimes people will, sur- will survive on the most, what you wouldn't think is the, is the reason. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not going to be their brute strength. Exactly. Or, yeah, they're or their hyper-intelligence even, to, mm-hmm. to that extent. So sometimes it's just luck, or sometimes it's just chance, or some, some other attribute that is, goes unnoticed or something Oh, like that. that's what I think they do a great job of, like, especially in a lot of the comics, too. I think they do an amazing job of kind of showing 
the reality that even you have some of the best you know people who are equipped for this and they just die randomly. I mean, yeah. take like Abraham in the comics. Yeah, which is like an arrow to exactly. Die, yeah, um, like completely randomly. And then you know you have people who shouldn't be surviving for an extremely long period of time. Surviving for a really long time. We reached the first part of the exhibit, which contains both scripts from the pilot, Frank Darabont's director's chair, as well as some comic panels to go along with the script and some of the storyboards. Right behind us are basically all the comics, and we have the opportunity to talk about the choices that were made when it came to following the comics rigidly or taking certain liberties with the show. Yeah, it was wild, like, reading through the comics and then kind of going back and doing rewatch of the show. And- like just, I mean, seeing you know where from the beginning they wanted to already take liberties and where they really wanted to follow things to a T and just like, artfully what they like, try to capture and what worked and what didn't too. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some moments in season eight where I'm thinking to myself, oh, should they have followed so rigidly, right? No, I know. I think that's always kind of a difficult question. I think we're like in the middle of um, kind of a period of time where we're seeing more and more things that are, uh, you know, they're created off of other source material. Yeah. Um, and so Walking Dead is definitely kind of one of the trendsetters in terms of like, what do you do when you have such a long piece of source material and how much of it do you follow? How much of it do you try to veer away from? Um, and yeah, I mean, I think like there's parts like, I mean, even season of what Carol wouldn't even be alive. Right. <laughs> be eaten. right. The people that end up dying and the people end up mm-hmm. staying alive. Yeah. Sometimes they're completely reversed. So when I, uh, Got on the show. My girlfriend, who's very squeamish about scary things, oh, yeah. I was already Same. down in Georgia, and she messages me and she's like, "All right, I'm watching the first episode." And I like didn't like I didn't see this. I was like cooking or something, and then when I pick up the phone, I just read, "They just shot a little girl." <laughs> and I was just like, "Oh yeah, you're gonna hate this show." <laughs> that's it gets way worse. That's, that's so, light. That's so early. <laughs> exactly. She, needless to say, did not watch much more after that. <laughs> Telling her that's probably best, especially since I was not home at this time and I was like, "Could you be there?" Going to be just having nightmares otherwise. And she's she's also she doesn't like horror or anything. No. Oh, absolutely. My wife's the same way. She's just really? like, oh, yeah. "Let's let's binge The Office back to back." Yeah, you're like, no, let's watch something really messed up. How about that? <laughs> How about something in the first opening sequence we establish that even kids are susceptible on the chopping board yeah. here. They, they kind of shied away from that uh, thereafter a little bit, but yeah. yeah. I think that's also like Darabont coming in and like, yeah, it's kind of like kind of shaking things up. Yeah, I mean, the first episode is one of my favorite, like, favorite pilots to a show. Yeah, it's pretty iconic. I think it does an amazing job of just kind of setting up what this whole universe is going to be like. Obviously, Andrew Lincoln is an unbelievable actor. <laughs> And it's so funny, he comes from comedy roots kind of like you, though, in a sense. I mean, I would classify you as more of a comedic mm-hmm. actor, at least initially, because I think you had done improv, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was kind of my, like, way into acting. All right. Uh, you're studying at UCB, Stella Adler School, I think it was, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, studio, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, NYU? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I was thinking to myself, for, for like, actors, the, the pull is usually to head to L.A. Mm-hmm. and make it out there. Mm-hmm. What was, what, where did you want to be in terms of an actor? Was it more the stage? Was it more, I mean, was it more comedic roles in television, film? So, I mean, I definitely, like, when I was younger, it was all comedy. Uh, went to NYU and started kind of, you know, doing a lot more dramatic pieces, really loving both. Um, it wasn't until my fourth year we had, like, this on-camera acting program. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also, oh. I'm absurdly dyslexic, and it was right. just kind of the first time that I... I don't know, I kind of understood, like, I'm just a very visual thinker. Mm-hmm. And obviously, on-camera work is all visuals. Um, and the more that you, as the actor, can understand what is something going to look like in the post-production, you know, how is this going to look from the camera standing over there, uh, the better. 
And so it really just felt like that all kind of clicked together. Mm. Um, in terms of LA, like I've gone out there for work. I love it. Like, it's a cool city. I don't know. I'm also just that, that you know, pretentious New Yorker who yeah. loves it. Right. This is the center of the universe. Guys. Exactly. Somebody gets it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, thank God. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, New York is home. I mean, that's that's. Yeah. I tried to get away from here myself. Yeah. For a little while, I went to Chicago for a little while. Oh, cool. to, yeah, I was yeah. a singer songwriter, so I was oh, like, oh, Chicago, home yeah. of the blues. <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I learned to love the people and, and kind of being somewhere that really wasn't New York. I mean, think of the Midwest and. I mean, literally. I, I, this sounds like the stupidest statement in the world, but think of the Midwest and dropping a huge city in it. Mm-hmm. They're still kind of nice. Yeah. You know, pe- people can get along. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think one of the biggest uh, misunderstandings of New Yorkers is everybody thinks they're like rude. I would say New Yorkers aren't rude, they're yeah. impatient. Yeah. It's like, we got somewhere to be. But if, if you need something, if you like, you don't know where you're going, I'll point it out to you, but we're going to have to keep walking while we're doing it. Yeah. You can't stop where you're in the middle of the street. Yeah, that's that's a that's an unkindness. To, to keep a New Yorker waiting is oh, rude. It's rude. It's sacrilegious. Rude. Yeah. I really think at like the airports, like international flights, they should have like little promo videos that explain walking on the sidewalk similar to like a highway. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, if you're going to stop, get off to the side, pull over, stop and look at your map there. But I mean, there's nothing I have less patience for than somebody stopping this. I mean, you could tell you could tell New Yorkers to do that too. Like some of them just, yeah, just don't get it. There are some. There are some. It's it's dangerous. That's the same with driving. Mm. I I have a little bit more respect for New York drivers though. Yeah, because it's like they know they need to get somewhere, so they're gonna (laughs) figure it out. And doing it through just sheer nightmarish traffic. Yeah, especially yeah, driving in like Greece at one point. Oh, okay. Like that was like recent. Rules are a suggestion over there. They're kind of like maybe tell somebody you're gonna stop. But there was something to it that I was like, oh, this is easy. Like, this is fine. It's right, once you, once you get the flow of Yeah, no, yeah. I can do this. Yeah. I just don't want to get onto, like, you know, Queensboro Bridge. Oh, and welcome back to the podcast where we talk about nothing but, but New York City traffic. Exactly. Yeah, this will be cut out. No, it won't. Anyway, let's keep going. This is brilliant content. This is for the New Yorkers out there. <laughs> Some real inside baseball. So, first of all, give me the elevator pitch on rerun. <laughs> Okay, and your role in it, and and what it was like to work with uh, Christopher Lloyd, who plays like your older self slash you play his younger self. Um, dude, that was a weird one. So that was actually while we were still at NYU. Um, oh, okay. It started as like a uh, student project, uh, where basically you know I mean almost all the people in that they're in the program. We're all trying to learn like how to act. Um, I think luckily. We all weren't terrible, which is a huge hail mary when you're still in, you know, college. Um, and then at some point, they kind of figured like, oh, we could actually like spin this into something bigger. Okay. Um, and so it was actually like they had filmed most of it, and then brought in Christopher Lloyd, who looked at the footage, was really into the project, um, and came on board for it. But obviously, like you know, back at like NYU when they were talking about this, they're like, oh yeah, we would try to get somebody to you know play an older version of you. And I was like, yeah, good luck with that. Like, who are you gonna get? Like, right. You know. And then at some point, they get an email out to me like, oh yeah, we got Christopher Lloyd. And I was like, sorry, excuse me. <laughs> Come again? <laughs> like, not the different guy with the same name, right? right. Like, actually, oh yeah, like the, the creator of uh, what was it, Modern Family? No, no, <laughs> the other Christopher Lloyd. Yes, that one, yeah. that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, with you know, Doc is going to play you in something. They're going to be pretty stoked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, did you have any conversations involved? No, we didn't get to have any conversations about that or anything. I've met him like since and kind of talked about it. Oh, okay. Um, which was always just like a funny thing. It's like, oh, I've seen your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen you around. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, all right, cool, 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 cool. Um, which is, you know, rarely does somebody of that Calibre, stature right. say, like, yes, I've seen your face already. Um, and also, again, for something random that, like, at the time you're doing as a, like, 
project to get an A in class, and then to have that swept out. up into a film, which had won a number of awards. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it did really well, actually. Yeah. Uh, which was, yeah, just again one of those things where like it's not at all what you're thinking was going to happen, but I figure that's kind of a good lesson for most of the industry is you have no idea what's going to happen until it does. Well, kind of like what we were talking about before. Sometimes it's just luck. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. I mean, I would say that's a huge part of acting, and obviously, I think it's like you bring your skill, which I think is like a multiplier to that luck, but at yeah, the end yes, of the day, it's yes. like, did you look like what they imagined the character to look like? They've already cast, you know, the, the mom, you know, do you look like that? Those kind of questions that, like, you have no control over. Right, um, right, right. You know, it's they, not your show. No, exactly. <laughs> or like, they already cast a brother, are you shorter than the brother, you're supposed to be the older brother, it's not gonna work, yada yada yada. Um, well, give uh, give everybody just a synopsis on what the movie is, is about. Yeah, yeah, I mean, of course. Just from your perspective. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, it follows very similar. Kind of, it was like a almost like a modernization of a, it's a wonderful life. Gotcha. Um, and so uh, it kind of takes like this older man who like figures out uh, through like a portal that he can go back in time and kind of like relive points that he was questioning in his own life, uh, whether or not this was actually like if he made the right decisions. And kind of through going back and getting another shot, realizing actually all the parts of one's life that you take for granted, that you don't really remember as like being so tantamount to who you are as a person today, and then kind of having the question of, do I want to actually go back and change these things, or actually even considering all the bad things that has happened in my life, was it worth it? Because it made me who I am. Right, right. It's like inner light on Star Trek, mm. the next generation. We take a minute to walk over to some of the concept art that's on the wall. And among all of the artifacts that are present at the Living with the Walking Dead exhibit at Museum of the Moving Image, I think that was the thing that he most appreciated. The careful curation of set pieces, overall set design, the concept, and what it ends up looking like in the final analysis, all of which helped to build the world around which his character can play which makes his job a whole lot easier. Seeing the art drawings for this, it's obviously like walking on this a lot. I, I didn't even think, you know, because by the time I show up, this is already already built. They've, you know, long, this is, you know, months if not years before right, all the plan any of us show up to actually work on the show. But to see what, you know, the artist rendering the concepts behind all this before you see the final product, because as the actor, you, you kind of always just see the final product. Um, and I talked to a few people in the arts department, and it was always so wild because obviously this is a show where they get a huge amount of creative license, um, and just like the attention to detail is insane. I mean, you take like this there's an obelisk in the middle of the town square, and it's, uh, it's a monument. Yeah, right. it's actually dedicated to World War One. The Great War is what it, is what it says on it. Yep. Yeah, 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 exactly. This is what we do. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> that's awesome because I remember like walking around my first day. And at some point, like, being like, oh, can you just walk this? around? Yeah. I was like waiting for a PA to be like, get on the ground, you can't move. Um, but they like, let for me, real. Yeah. <laughs> but they let, me, they let me go around. But yeah, I was just like reading all the signs. And I was like, oh my God, somebody like took the time to write this, which is like, ah, oh, it's art. You know, you're not going to necessarily be, be able to see it in a shot. But yeah. somebody has just prepared every single detail just in case. It, it must be a lot like what, what I, well, I got married, but like what a wedding is like. Mm -hmm. You're involved in it. And while you're in it as the couple, as the bride and groom, or the bride and bride, or the groom and groom, mm -hmm. uh, it kind of just go, goes by really fast. It's really the guests, the guest, well, us as the guests mm -hmm. who get to view the wedding, who can really appreciate it. Yeah. So it must be a lot like that for you. You, you're in it. You don't really get to see yourself as yourself until it's out, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you don't really get to see as much of the details until you're able to see it in front of a screen, oh, right? Yeah, well, not to mention, I mean, you know, you get a script and you're looking at that, you have an idea of what this is gonna look like, but it's not until you show up to set and you're like, oh, oh, all right, got it, this is where we're shooting. 
this is what it's gonna look like. In my head, I've just had a you know an idea of uh, oh, we're on a hill. There's gonna be a house down there, and there's a bunch of zombies in there. Then you actually get to the space in Georgia, and you're like, okay, now I know exactly what I'm looking at, what this is gonna be, which obviously adds a whole new element to it, right? Um, and I think that's also the beauty to on camera is the spontaneity that comes from all that, because you get the ability to. I mean, you take this like to go. Right. Well, I mean, you know, on a, on a stage, you have three walls. The fourth, obviously, is going to be the audience. Here, all four walls are decked to the nines. And, you know, if you're in an office, you're in an office. If, you know, you're scrounging through a cabinet, the cabinet has things in it. Yeah, yeah. There's just a level to the detail that, as the actor, is just an insane luxury. You get to, I mean, the the... the the bar for what you're doing, like acting, is just gets lower and lower because you're you're dealing because you're so things. immersed in the environment. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, definitely. But isn't it also kind of like a forest for the tree sort of thing? There's so much detail that you're like, oh, I gotta focus on my work. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's environment building. But I mean, I think it's one of those things where it's also like every actor is different. How they mm -hmm. you know approach these kind of things, what um, they get into. But like a lot of times, like when we get to a set, especially if I haven't worked on it before, I kind of walk around, be like, okay, what would a, what interests me here? What would I play with? You know, what would you know, as the character, what would I do? Um, and just kind of go from there. So a lot of times there would be places where you're actually really excited because you have this whole space and you know, you're like, okay, I mean, I have free reign here. Mm -hmm. We're gonna we're gonna walk around and start to block it and figure out where the cameras need to be. Right. But a lot of that is motivated by movement. And so, you know, sometimes you're actually like working in tandem with the camera crew and they want you to try to get over here, do something. So you're trying to figure out a justification for what we're doing. Yeah, you know? exactly. I mean, like first time when I was working with uh, Michael, um, I had barely even met him, but I was like, that armor would be so much fun to like smack. Right. So I'm As obviously right. going to have to smack it. Um, you know, which it's also because if you're getting the chance to hang out with somebody like Michael James Shaw, in my off time, I'm not going to hit Michael James Shaw for very obvious reasons. Uh, so if somebody wants to pay me to do it and then tell me I did a good job afterwards, it's a lot of fun. Visit, visit TT's OnlyFans and he'll <laughs> hit Michael James Shaw. Oh anyway. Costs a little extra. Yes, yes. A lot extra, actually. <laughs> and Michael will be down for it. He gets a cut. Yes, yeah. <laughs> no, no. he gets most of it, to be fair. Yeah. Find his feet. So I feel like I mean, it's like a 3D rendering of. Like, well, but you can see they've even just like put things in yeah. because they're figuring out what they're going to make Alexandria look like. You know, they, they know like they have this plot of land and these houses, but they don't, they just have an open field here. So they're figuring out like, oh, let's put, you know, we're going to put the windmill here. Let's put a farm here. Um, it's funny. I mean, like even like look at this, it doesn't exactly look like this in the final right. product. You know, this is just like an idea of a sketch for it um, before they'd even you know, ever built anything. Right. I mean, even even down to this. I mean, it's obviously mm -hmm. like rough. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It gives you an idea of how they're blocking. Again, you know, you're you're handing this off to somebody. Like, this is what I would like it to look like, and then somebody has to go out and build it. I feel like I can talk about this now, but uh, uh, so obviously during COVID, uh, trying to keep everybody safe. One of the things, especially for like people staying there longer, was trying to give you. Um, somewhere to stay where you're not as surrounded by other people. Uh, so what they figured out was that uh, they would use some of the houses in Alexandria right. to put up like actors, producers. So I had like a lot of time where I was living inside the walls, mm -hmm. um, which was one of the weirder and most fun like places an actor to like literally, you know, open your door and you're in the apocalypse. Um, just walking around and then, you know, go home at night into like a house in Alexandria, uh, which was super fun. It was also the creepiest. Is it? Okay. I mean, you're, you know, again, outside your doors was like, you know, decayed ruins of the buildings and all this stuff. And I feel like it was so scary that I was like, you know what, like, 
if the witch gets me in here, this is where she gets me. I'm not, yeah, there's not, there's no getting away. I lived a wonderful is. life. I mean, exactly, right? I mean, I'm on the set. This is great, but yeah, no, I mean, probably gonna die here. Um, I didn't. At least I don't believe I did. Um, this could be heaven. I mean, are we alive? This is a deep question. Are we respawning every these day? These are the kind of questions we're gonna ask. No. On this show, we're talking about Tales of the Walking Dead. Existentials. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, I kind of wanted to talk about that too because I mean, you had done some work on Law and Order SVU. Yes. I mean, I have to ask, what is the set experience or the set atmosphere like in terms of like the differences between that kind of show, like a Dick Wolf uh, mm -hmm. production or yeah, yeah. production, uh, or like The Walking Dead? I mean, there's, there's got I don't know if it's a matter of caliber, but it, it's got to be a different. Atmosphere. It's, a, it's a, I mean, in many ways, they're a very similar caliber. I mean, that's a show that's like. I mean, SVU has been on for like well over twenty Ever. years. Yeah. Um, obviously, it comes from like a lineage of other uh, Law and Orders, um, but it also follows this other style of format where it's like those episodes are churned out in a week. That's I mean, kind of what I mean. Yeah, move super fast. Whereas The Walking Dead, I mean, you could easily take two weeks to shoot an episode, and there is like they take their time. Um, and I think you know there's there's merit to both systems. Obviously, again, something like Law and Order, they're making twenty something episodes a season. Every one of these is a fresh one off yes. idea. Um, you even look like look at the sets. I mean, a lot of that is just housed in Chelsea Piers. Right. Uh, again, just going into New York geography for all the non-New Yorkers here. Yeah. But um, needless to say, Chelsea Piers is not where you'd expect a set to be. That's uh, it's right. mostly like a kid's gymnasium. Um, but, you know, they can quickly like fly in like, all right, now we got to be in the courtroom. All right, now we got to be in the precinct. Now we got to be in a hospital. And it's all like within a very small space. Whereas Walking Dead, I mean, like, you know, you have this massive lot within acres and acres of land. And if you're shooting in the woods, you're shooting in the woods. You know? This is where we are. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You're going to move an entire unit out into the middle of nowhere, sweating your butt off um, and doing the real deal. Uh, I obviously I think as an actor, it's just so much fun to be as immersed as you are when doing like The Walking Dead. I mean, in the uh, episode when I'm uh, going out to do my advanced military training. One of our favorites. I yeah. Think. Well, and I mean, you know, it's, it's just teaching people how you do it for real if you're in the uh, in the apocalypse. Uh, but uh, for real. Yes. Yes. You hire a lot of stronger people to bring you the weakest zombies that you get to kill in front of them, in case you would be able to kill them. Um, but yeah, we're we're literally in the woods. Um, <laughs> drenched in sweat, yeah. turning your hair and makeup between takes, and being like, "All right," is the, and they're like, "No, this is good. This, this is what we're looking for." Are we filthy enough? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, but no, it's wild. And like with that one, uh, a lot of that is actually shot, like I mean, literally feet from where uh, Glenn dies in the show. I see. Um, no, like, right. so like there's these moments where like I'm you know between takes. So that, that does dawn on you, huh? Well, I was just talking with like the AD, and, um, uh, and he was just like JJ, and he was just like, uh, yeah, like, right over there, <laughs> that's where he died, or over here, like this is where Carl got shot with the deer, and just these things. You're like, oh my god, yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you're talking about now, but obviously, you know, you can reuse these kind of locations, change where you are, and with that kind of show, I mean, they bought acres and acres of land a long time ago, so they can just run throughout that whole area and. You know, it's a playground. Right. Is, change change of position. Now you're all of a sudden in a different place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, it's, that's wonderful. And and the fact that you like kind of feel that weird hollowed ground feeling that oh this is where this happened mm -hmm. or this is where that happened yeah. twice. But then like there's fan um, questions. Oh, so cool. it's like it's kinda like oh, nice. Oh, yeah, I was supposed to say hi to you from Fan Art Lindy. Oh! Right. Said hi. She wanted me to give you a hug, but I'm very sweaty. No, I want the hug. So, okay. yeah, Let's get a hard. Fan Art Lindy proxy <laughs> hug. That's from Linda. Oh, Linda. <laughs> Thank you. You should, you should see our questions. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, yeah, because I was going to ask something along those lines, actually. Um, to hug me? 
It's great. <laughs> yeah, I feel closer to you now. So wait, okay, so this is kind of already implied. This is from Renee. Renee Nay, 65, 2003. Like, were you a fan of the show, comics before being cast? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so a little bit with the comics, or the well, show. So the, the show. show. Um, yeah. I had not read the comics before getting onto the show. Um, and I, it was one of these things where, I mean, again, as an actor, I've never been a part of something that has uh, uh, material lore, that predates right. it, like lore. Um, and I'm a huge fan of, you know, <laughs> lore-based things. I'm a huge Star Wars nerd, yeah. things like that. Um, so, you know, a big th thought for me was when coming on to something like this, uh, if it were if it were my lore, if it were my baby, the thing that I've been following forever, I would want to know that the actors who came on to it, uh, you know, really delved as deep into it and tried to bring as much to it. Um, so I was so, so stoked to, you know, I bought the compendiums and just like, devoured them, read through them. Um, and again, also a big old fan as a dyslexic that it's a comic book and not, you know, book books. Uh, so a lot of pictures, great. We love pictures. Um, but it was, yeah, just, I mean, really cool to then get an idea of like, okay, what is the, um, what is the style of the comics? What is the style that the show tried to, you know, uh, mimic or, or get the feel of? And also what parts of it are they very actively going in a different direction and saying that's, that is the comics, but this is the show. Um, was, I mean, that was, by and far one of the most fun parts about doing a job like this is is getting to explore a lot of the material. Right, knowing the difference too, right? So actually on that note, uh, so Waxy, so were you approached or did you like say to yourself or did somebody say to you, hey, I like this show, can I be on it? Like how, how did yeah, they, yeah, this yeah. is another question no, 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 from Renee. That's awesome, awesome. Yeah. Um, so no, it's, 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 uh, it's auditions. Uh, so, you know, I, I have representation, basically. Mm -hmm. Every now and then, you'll get an email, um, which will just say, you know, uh, we have an audition for you, get us a self-tape by this day. You know, and, and you get enough of these that, statistically, I mean, 90-something percent of the time, you're not even hearing anything back. Like, it's not even no, it's just we don't respond. So, uh, with this one, you know, I got this tape for Sebastian, the names are changed on it, okay, so I just right. know it's Walking Dead, but I don't really know much else. Um, but you, you were the one who pursued, or was it like your talent, your so management? Represents, uh, representation gets you the audition. Gotcha. Um, and I had auditioned like once or twice before for the show, but it's not something where like, I, I don't, like I'm not like running out to like, you know, stalk the casting directors and be like, hey guys, like I think I'm right for the show. Yeah. Um, but obviously, if so I'm getting get baskets for, and stuff, yeah, no. Didn't do that. <laughs> um, but, um, but you know, if you get these auditions, you're like, all right, Walking Dead, obviously, they would love to be on that but again there is a certain level of like i i know statistically i can i can give it my my all and i might knock this out of the park but as we were talking about it might just be yeah. uh, you know oh your hair is brown and mm. it just it looks too much like another character whatever you know right. something that just is not up to your control necessarily yeah or even just like a i don't know like a bias or some some oh, yeah, dumb yeah. thing like somebody had a bad morning yeah. and that's or, not your or job you anymore. remind them too much of their nephew and they hate their nephew Ooh. because of that one christmas although you know what you did nephew although in your case it probably mm, that might have actually an advantage that yeah. Might have helped. Yeah. yeah that that <laughs> did help <laughs> but no but i mean it was one of these ones where i did this at like 10 p.m at night um, didn't think twice about it. I mean, you know, you said it end because, again, statistically, I'm not going to hear anything back. Right, right. About like a week and a half, two weeks go by, and I get a call from my manager and agents, and they're all on the phone, which is a very rare thing. Um, and they even said this to me. They're like, if, if we're on the phone, this either means that we're dropping you or you just booked something big. Which do you think it is? And I was like, well, I'm really hoping you didn't drop me. Um, they're like, do you remember what you auditioned for recently? It's like, no, no. I put it out of my head. I forgot all about it because, again, Major if I think about it, I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so then, like, do you remember auditioning for Walking Dead? 
and there was like a pause and I was like no 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 um, and then I actually literally sat on the floor and uh, unfortunately my dog tried to eat my face which didn't help with the like momentousness of the moment but you know while fending off uh, my dog's fangs but it was uh, a good intro to the show it was no it did it did, it did <laughs> prepare me the zone. how you keep something that is mercilessly trying to attack your face back mm. um, and I can say that's something I'm very good at with my dog so didn't really doesn't really help your role but yeah, no it's, but hey it's I'm fine you know, okay. in the mind space when it comes to shove you gotta be ready yeah, yeah. you know that's again advanced military training for a reason so, so you really felt that moment you really you really like, oh, no, I mean this is by and far the coolest gig I have booked in terms of like a already being something that I had followed, knowing about this lore, and again knowing like oh this is also a show which we haven't even spoke about yet, but like that really goes out of its way to do as much VFX as possible, do the real deal. Um, obviously they use CGI, but like when they can, trying to make things practical. So knowing I'm gonna be on a set. And if there's a zombie there, there's a zombie there. If you know there's people running around doing crazy things, we're gonna do as much of it on the day live as possible. Yeah. And again, as the actor, that, it, I remember like you know being in vans to set and I'm like, how's your day? I was like, we're going to do make pretend. How's my day? It's amazing. <laughs> this is incredible. I mean, how would it not be? I mean, yeah, actually. So it's funny. I, w I had listened to another interview and just to give you give maybe the audience like mm -hmm. kind of like your upbringing, you had mentioned somewhere along the line, I mean, in the context of dyslexia, but you'd said that growing up, you, you developed like this really, really interactive imagination. Oh, you're only to kind of keep yeah. yourself entertained. Uh, just, what was it that was the genesis of that? Like, I know that sounds like a really weird question, but like, from, let me just give yeah, you mine, yeah, and then the, yeah. being dragged around to shopping trips by my mom, mm -hmm. my dad being at work mm -hmm. for very long hours. So it's like, you kind of have to make your own fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was yeah. it like, what was that for you though? What was, it was it's so funny, I, that's a good question. I've never actually really thought about it, but I would say- um, Really intrigued me, I, I, that, that no, no, statement. I, yeah, 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 no, I mean, I, I, you know, it's funny because uh, like years later, I've talked with a lot of friends who, when we were kids, were obviously all playing, running around in my house, and it would, every one of them said the same story. It's like, I would just kind of follow it. You, you were like, all right, now we're hold up here, like pretend there's an army coming, and we're, you know, defending. And they're like, yeah, sure, let's do it. This is fun. Um, I hadn't kind of realized that none of them were also seeing, seeing what you were saying. Army yeah. that was, you know, yeah, there's a guy over there. He's yeah, trying to attack him, right? you. Run. We have to deal with this. Yeah. This threat is impending. Um, but I would say, yeah, similarly, it's like, you know, I, so uh, my dad lives in Sweden. Uh, and therefore, you know, uh, you go over there, which is amazing, super fun. Turns out Swedes love to speak Swedish, uh, especially when I was a kid, not speaking, I know, it's, it's a bold statement. Um, but uh, as a kid, uh, not speaking the language yet, um, bored when you know adults are just talking. Yeah. I did a yes, lot exactly. of just like, you know, make pretend in my head. Um, I don't know, I just think it was like one of those things that just it gra I gravitated towards. I mean, in my free time, it was like, you know, if I was playing with my like action figures or something, it was always a very in-depth story. <laughs> um, and so that was always kind of a, a launching point to acting. But then something like this, where you get to be on a set and like, you know, you're having days where you're thinking like, okay, you know, if there's a zombie over there, like how do, how do, how do I, how do I relate to this zombie at this point? Like in my life, like am I scared by zombies or because there's security around, it's not as well, scary. Especially, especially for your role too, because it's kind of like, am I scared of these or am, do I feel safe, right? I remember like sitting there and really doing out the math, of, like how old was I, you know, where where am I in the timeline of all this? Yeah, we've how, done that too. Yeah, yeah, no, but exactly. figure how that how that mapped out. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, what would you say is your age on the show? Um, so I was talking to a few people about this, but it was never like, I mean, it's never like exactly made out, but it seems like early oh, 20s. That's what I said, yeah, uh, I was like, oh yeah, Obviously, like 
you know, 10 years old maybe when this all started. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some people were speculating, oh, it's like, oh, and he's kind of like a man baby, like, hmm, he's like 40, but he looks 20. But 40, like, but he looks 20. Damn, all right, I'll take it. I know. Gifted. 43. Never been, uh, accused of looking 40. I will. <laughs> Once in a while. But like, no, but looks really good because he's been behind walls. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of like the yeah, thought yeah, process, yeah, he's, right? He's been safe the whole time. I mean, a huge thing for me was actually uh, the first day on set uh, going to um, costume. Uh, okay. Vera, who does the costumes. Um, right. Because I had ideas of like what I think... Sebastian's gonna be like, but it was when I saw what their concept visually was for him that a lot of it actually fell into place um, in a way that I hadn't even really known until the first time I see like, oh, you're gonna be in these like bright shorts and you know like argyles, yeah. argyles, all these kind of things. And I was like, oh, Sebastian, got it. All right, Sebastian. Yes, he's gonna. You know, it's a lot more common stances. Yes. Oh God, yeah. Oh God, yeah. Um, but yeah, that definitely kind of informs a lot of the character for you. Right. Also, along with the set environment, along with that comes the the outfits, and that kind of really like, oh, I am the part. Yes, yeah. kind of goes to the imagination part. Mm -hmm. It kind of helps. Oh, it helps. You, you don't have to construct it yourself. I mean, again, at home, my you know costumes are like my school backpack that I'm turning into my like you know rogue backpack rock. on the you know run and all this kind of stuff. Wow, you went there. I was like, oh, this is my rocket pack, and I'm and that's actually more imaginative. Yeah, no, I mean that was in space somewhere. I'm doing it now, man. All right. Imagining it like an eighth grade or it's After musing over some of the costumes, specifically Daryl Dixon slash Norman Reedus, as well as Alpha's head, the one that was put on the pike, the one that Beta retrieves, and even walking over to some of the weapons props and how awesome those were, we start to dig into his acting process a little bit more, and we really start digging into the character of Sebastian. When you look at your role, and knowing the kind of warm uh, and... Uh, approachable person you are as a human being so when, when it comes to Sebastian there are moments where I'm like oh there's humor in, in this character there's humor in how to play this part do you struggle sometimes uh, threading that needle between deadly serious I'm really serious Sebastian and then like trying to be a little ridiculous well I think the humor is in his seriousness in those like funny moments okay. he's often still deadly serious and that's almost what's funny about it you're like oh my god nobody could be this much of a tool oh yes he could right um, so I think actually like it actually serves to in those moments even if understanding analytically from the outside like this is probably going to come off as funny um, the way for it to come off as funny is if I play this as seriously as possible. I mean, you know, if I'm saying something to somebody, I want to find the most biting tone that I can say it to them and find like a malicious, crappy, like back of the throat way um, to say it. And somebody's gonna be like, wow, this is such a mean person that that is almost funny. Um, that I think serves by doing, going almost against the, the instinct, which is like, how do I make you laugh? It's like, right, you do so. Well, that's gonna be tough too, especially coming from where you come from. like. <laughs> Your instinct is kind of like just <laughs> poopy head. Oh no! I, like, I, I do that when the cameras weren't rolling. Oh, I was I was definitely the Joker uh, between takes. Mm. It was a lot of that. Um, yeah. So I would I would get it out of my system and then we would go in for the takes mm. and on, drop on, it. On the note of that though, like uh, in terms of well, I don't want to ask about pranks and jokes and whatnot. Uh, there's this point of that material going around, but what I want to know really is. Have you been starstruck by anybody on the cast at all? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, I mean, obviously, the first time you're seeing Norm, you're just like, holy crap, Norman Reedus. Like, that's insane. Um, and it, we had a very weird, like, 
unceremonious first meeting because uh, it's like the very first thing that we ever shot together um, is they're like standing guard outside of the banquet hall um, and I like come up to him to like adjust his shirt. Um, but like this, I literally, you know, we have a crowd of people. It's the middle of the evening. Like they've already been shooting. I've just come to set for this one shot today. Um, so it's very much like, hey, hey, cool. Let's let's go in. Let me be an asshole to you now. Um, so you don't get a lot of time sometimes. So it's, uh, you know, you kind of over time build the rapport with, with actors. So like the norm, it wasn't until um, um, I think it's 11, 14 when we're on like the hill oh, okay. looking down um, and I'm telling them to go like get my money um, from like a bank vault. Um, that was like the first time we had like a lot of one-on-one where we get to just kind of catch up, chat, hear, you know, about life. And he's, I mean, they're all super grounded, super fun people. I think that's a huge part. And I'm not just, you know, well, I'm being paid obviously endless amounts of money to lie to you, but um, the, yes, perfect, exactly. Um, no, but in reality, like they're all really, really nice people. Yeah. And I think that's a huge aspect of the show is they try to keep people on who just know how to work with other actors, know how to build that rapport. So that was always kind of a thing from day one. Everybody was very chill. Same thing with like Melissa. Mm-hmm. Um, like my last day, she came up to me and was like, can we, can we like take a picture? And I was just like, yes, yes, Melissa, we, we can take a picture. Like that, that. No, <laughs> what go away, you killed children. I don't, know, I don't know who you are, lady. <laughs> I'm not taking photos right now. Um, and then another one for me was um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Uh, oh. I mean, you know, he's massive dude you're definitely like a little intimidated but again with all these people within five seconds you're realizing none of them are actually intimidating in real life they're all just teddy bears exactly yeah. they're all teddy bears i mean they're all, all kind of teddy bears, bears in their own way mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's what i always said to norm every day on set i was like teddy bear yeah. you teddy bear want a hug yeah constantly I just kept threatening with hugs he does look like well as a character he does look like a guy who needs a lot of hugs oh definitely definitely but will be like no <laughs> Or more just rumbles. Mm. Fart, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Gross. Just all farts. farts. <laughs> He's all farts. So Linda says, fan art Lindy says, what is what has been your favorite part about working on The Walking Dead? That's a broad question. No, 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 no that's but... a good question. In terms of where I am in my career, what I've been able to do, what was so incredible was getting the opportunity to have full arc and command over a character. Oh, and okay. You know, by the end, there was moments where I was realizing, like, oh, I'm now becoming uh, the eminent scholar on the character of Sebastian. Like, you know, I, I, like, you know, when we're on set, you know, in a, like five episodes in, directors will also be like, what do you think? What do you think you would do here? Okay. Uh, which a lot of times, if you're coming on for one episode of the show, right. you know, you're there to serve the story, which is a, that's that's a very like you know good and noble thing. But a lot of times, you're just there to kind of get us from point A to point B in the plot of a story. Whereas when you're given the, the the gift of a character with a larger arc, you get to really start to figure out like, okay, what is what does this inform us about this character as a whole? So therefore, you know, how is this gonna come back into play maybe two episodes from now, three episodes from now? Um, ooh, you know what, now that we're shooting this, I'm remembering what I did five episodes earlier and actually that would really play into my decision here. So really getting to, you know, experience a character to the point where you feel like, okay, I, I am in I am in command of who this is, and not just like figuring it out on the set, on the day of. Somebody else's vision, somebody else's dream. Exactly. Yeah. So it was really cool. Um, you know, I get, uh, in one of the episodes, got to work with Greg, um, and it was really cool, because he is, I mean, A, just 
I can't sing his praises enough as a director, um, but he was very big into just kind of being like, this is what I'm looking for, and this is what I want to show with your character. How do you think Sebastian would do that? And so actually getting to like have a little bit of a chat with him, like, oh, interesting. I didn't even think of going that way, but yes, I see where you're cutting at. Let's, you know, let's try this and uh, bring it to the screen. Or can I try that? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just having a lot more freedom uh, than I'd ever had before as an actor in a project. And, you know, the fact that a show of this caliber was, was willing to trust me and let me do that, I mean, I'm forever grateful for it. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, I, I, on that vein, one of my questions was going to be, and it is, so I'm going to ask it. Nice. Is, for a lot of people, Sebastian is uh, dirtbag. Great guy. But. Hot, virile. Some, like yes. me, right. Many, yeah. Chewies? Yeah, that's not that's a the most common word I get. Yeah, I guess I mean, in a way. Anyway, so my question really is more along the lines of a lot of actors when it comes to their unsavory characters can can give us a reason to think twice about a character. Like, oh yeah, like Jeffrey Dean Morgan, right? He talks about Negan, he's like, well, Negan, it's his point of view. But anyway, but for you, what would you say is something that we ought to think twice about? So just on a broad sense, not like a really yeah, yeah, yeah. plot point sort of sense. Um, like no, no, I mean, I, I defend I, Sebastian, essentially. I, I would love to. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I would say the biggest thing for me is like, keep in mind how he got here. The fact that, you know, he did not ask to be put in this position. He was born into this thing, which is obviously privilege, but we know that with privilege comes its own problems, and I'm not here to say, like, feel terrible for really rich people, but it is to say that, like, there is a lot of weight on his shoulders as um, somebody who is, you know, being told, like, you are going to run this community someday, and whether or not he's actually born to do that, or if it was just thrust upon him. Right, right. He has, like, fate. That this is it. Yeah. You have no opinion input. Yeah. Your I mean, life again, is. If you're, if you're the child of like, you know, the Kennedys, right. like you know, some part of that family, like it's not up to you. You're going to be in the limelight from day one, um, and that might work for you. You might be able to handle that. Other people, that might be really tough, and that uh, you might respond to that very negatively. Um, and I do think that's something that, as the actor, I constantly think about. Like, okay, you know, his decisions. Like for me, a big thing is like I don't. I think rarely is a character just one note evil. Like you right. have to be like a demon from the you know seventh level of hell to just be evil. Right, and especially on this show. Especially on yeah, this yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, which is kind of why I asked the question because yeah. like for all intents and purposes, we don't really, we didn't really get that insight mm -hmm. until one of the last episodes or the last episode of uh, it's 11B, mm -hmm. where you do get to see a little bit of vulnerability. He's drunk. He's coping. Mm -hmm. And I saw a glimmer of like. I, I, I felt something for Sebastian yeah. at that moment. And, and to everybody, by the way, to everybody's more like, shut up, you're, <laughs> you're a softy, you love stray cats. I don't like stray cats, I hate cats. Oh, you should like stray so cats, I get, like Sebastian. He really likes the band. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I'm very team Sebastian, for obvious reasons. Um, but I would say, yeah, support. Yeah. You know, I don't think he's a bad guy. Don't be afraid to soften up on Sebastian. Exactly. Oh, little. He's misunderstood. Yeah. Yeah. Which we'll probably get to see, and I'm not asking this question, but we'll probably get to see. I think we'll get to in see the coming some interesting, episodes. interesting stuff. The final episodes. Ooh, I don't like that. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. That's I mean, wild. and for you to be a part of that is, it's gotta be like. I mean, again, we were talking about it. Like, I'm closing up the shop. <laughs> it's it's the bodega. Um, but, it, you know, again, having watched this, like, while I was in college, learning to be, be an actor, 
um, and be like, oh, this is an amazing show. And obviously, like, if I could portal back in time, be like, hey, you're, you're going to be on the last season of that show. Shut the up. Oh, no. Like, that's ridiculous. You're making this up. Yeah. Also, how did you portal back here? Explain to me how time travel works. We should use it for other means right. other than you just. Well, rerun, right? Exactly. So. <laughs> everything comes back to rerun. That's everything. <laughs> everything. When you first watch The Walking Dead, and of course, you, you're looking into something that you know, that you think might be great. Mm -hmm. And now we're like uh, 12 yeah, years yeah. deep. And it's kind of like, do you regard it in that same regard as uh, Star Wars, Star Trek, these these, these huge um, I mean, it's, 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 enterprises? Yeah, it's a massive universe. And on top of that, it brought back zombies as like a mainstream concept in a way that like it really hadn't been there for a very long time. Um, and like, I mean, look at the amount of work on the theme of zombies that have come out, not just from the United States, but around the world. Right. Like Train to Basan, right. amazing movie. Korean, um, I don't think horror. that kind of stuff would necessarily exist if it wasn't for a show like this, sparking everyone's imagination again. Because I think there is something that's very, it's one of the most accessible horror things, zombies. Because it takes, you know, I mean, viruses, pandemics, whatever, you know, something of a global proportion attacking all of us. And what do you do? And everybody has a concept of like, what would I do? Uh, versus, you know, if I'm in a haunted house, you know, there's not, that's a very like, uh, specific situation versus, oh no, wherever I am in the world is getting, you know, attacked by zombies now. Um, and I think this show really put that back in the like, cultural zeitgeist. What you were saying was like, yeah. Star Trek wouldn't have made it without the fans. Mm -hmm. Although that was a lot of Gene Rod Roddenberry's input, so, but he understood. But I know, but I think like when, when a show taps into, um, like such a wide audience of imagination. I mean, then you get fan-made uh, productions of things, people who are just, you know, excited to soak up more and more content from it. I mean, you look at like, just like the offshoots that are coming out from yeah. Walking Dead. I mean, a lot of that is because people want more. They want more of this concept, which again is like, at its very core is a fairly simple one of like, what if we draw this back to just the most base real zombies survival, what do you do? And people want more and more and more of that. Who and what? What do we become? Like, mm -hmm. and like, I mean, look, being realistic, yeah, we would die. But maybe, maybe we wouldn't. I mean, I've 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 spent many an afternoon figuring out how I would survive in New York. So, I, I, oh wow, in New York, you, you, like in New York specifically. So, yeah, I, take, I have some thoughts. Like, big question is if the military is still standing. Um, if military is still standing. I'm gonna say this right here and now, and you get it exclusive. I think New York's actually not a bad place because we're all in buildings. We're all in like our own little castles, and as long as somebody could like airdrop supplies on the roof, I could hold that thing down. Yeah, why not? My mom's building, Manhattan. Just jam a, a, a couch in the stairwell. You're not getting up that thing. Doesn't matter how many zombies you have. That thing's metal. Done. Have you seen a New York City door? Uh-uh. Not so, getting that. I think we're gonna kind of see that mm -hmm. in Isle of the Dead. I'm very, curious. I'm very I, curious. I mean, as New Yorkers, I'm, I'm, I'm. It's one of those things where you're kind of like, will they do this justice? Mm -hmm. I, I have that skeptical New York yeah. brain, and yeah, it's it, it's more monumental than I think people take for it. Yeah. No, I mean, it's really cool that they're that they're adding that into it and bringing it to New York. And I think, yeah, obviously we're going to see a very different side. I mean, you're talking about one of the densest areas. So what does that mean for like the zombie apocalypse? Yeah. What does that even look like? Because we've seen, for the most part, trying to steer clear of these dense zones. Right, and right. And going to the mecca of it all. We see it like right in the first episode? Yeah, mm -hmm. right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but then they're, just quickly, they're like, oh, wait, we shouldn't be in Atlanta. This is a terrible idea. Let's get out of here. Well, more than anything else, we kind of see this in the beginning of the season 11. Mm -hmm what it does to people, like obviously in farmland, yeah. like the ferals, 
But then what does it do to New Yorkers? Mm-hmm. Do we become... Now, I'm going to say this, and I think you might agree, it's kind of like the 9-11 effect, mm-hmm. where I think a lot of people will kind of come together. You can't afford to have your own little private space on a public subway. Mm-hmm. This is it. Yeah. You know, we all live together. We all grow together. I think that's, like we said at the beginning, New Yorkers aren't that as rude as you think. Yeah. yeah we have a way of coming together. We do have a way of kind of screwing each other. I mean, I might call you an asshole, but like, right, but you probably deserve it. Yeah. You know? But it's like, you know, term of endearment. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There's like 18 different ways to say asshole. Yeah. Or I love you. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, forget about it. There's many people that could make fun of, let's say, the, the Walking Dead fans. Yeah. Oh, you still watch that? The common refrain. You still watch that show? And, but the, it's actually, as a New Yorker, it's kind of changed me. I still have New York brain. I still have that guy like, oh, who's going to F me today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this, this fandom has really changed me, I think. I mean, it's so people generous. were saying it to me when I was getting on, but they're like, it's, it's, you're going to experience it, but it's a lot like a family. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, you hear that in a lot of the different podcasts or things, but they always say, like, you know, TWD family. Um, and I, I've experienced that to only be true. I was really, really surprised. Were you skeptical of that? Well, I mean, especially coming in. Sense, yeah. Well, and especially coming in as a bad guy, I was, you know, really prepared for everybody to kind of just be like, we hate you, yada, yada, yada. Um, I've shockingly received no negative okay. like responses from anybody. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I'm hoping that's wood. I'm just knocking on something. <laughs> okay. Um, but uh, so far, everybody's been super, super positive. Everybody kind of understands, like, okay, you're playing, you know, this character that we hate, but like you, you yourself are doing your job well. If I hate you. Oh wait, um, we haven't seen the le- the rest of the season yet, so mm, you never know. You, you never know. So, yeah, maybe I just go all downhill from here. Hey, but, but then the show will be over, and you can you can like, yeah, I'm on to my next role. Yeah, I'm done with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was this was just a stepping stone. <laughs> yeah, I'm moving up over here. Anyway, so like, I, so on that note, I was going to say, are you working on any projects you can talk to us about? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I just did an episode of a show called Fantasy, uh, which was super fun. We got to shoot two weeks in Puerto Rico. Oh, right. um, it was done. My girlfriend hated me for getting to you know go on a mini vacation for work. Um, you didn't tell me. Okay. Well, well, and she had stuff. But this is also a classic one where, because um, Walking Dead, I, I had like several weeks before I would be down there. They like you know they really give you time. With this, I found out on like I think it was a Monday, and I had to fly on a Wednesday. So it's very <laughs> much like you're just calling everybody and being like, all right, I'm not going to be here for two weeks. So if we had a plan, that's not happening. I'm not going to be there. Wow. Uh, so yeah, you really just like shoot off and go do that. There must be kind of like a an adjustment to make, like after having been on the, on the Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really can't do anything while you're on the Walking Dead. It's, it's mm-hmm. one of the things we, we, we found out while uh, talking to Tom Payne, who mm-hmm. played Jesus. Yeah, yeah. He was like, yeah, even if you're not doing anything, that's what you're doing. Yep. Nothing. Yeah. There. Yeah. Yeah. And you're getting paid to do it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's great. Part of that universe. But yes, you are very much full time just on this. Um, so it is also, it's, it's weird after like several months of being consistently working on the same project to then kind of go back into the like what you know what what's next what are you working on um and i'm really lucky you know had that show i've done like a chunk of like voiceover stuff oh yeah, um, yeah i heard so about that. you know i got to do uh, my first video game which was very stoked oh about. cool yeah, yeah, yeah um they're doing like a remake of brothers in arms which was like this like, world war ii shooter gotcha um and they wanted to bring in voice actors for that um which that's always been a bucket list thing for me was i'm a big video game person and then also uh, the history nerd, so it kind of just like fulfilled a few things at once. Um, but you know, it's just you literally you have no idea what the next project is. Until yeah. You get a call from the agent or manager. Is there like an adjustment that you have to make from coming off The Walking Dead to just going? I mean, obviously we talked about that, but like, 
Is it kind of like coming back from vacation in a weird in a weird mm -hmm. manner of phrasing? Oh, definitely, definitely. Oh, I have to do this now. Like, well, I mean, the but, grind. Even like, but even like, I mean, because you're, you're like away at sleepaway camp. That's I mean, okay. That's kind of what I was. Yeah, thinking. no, I mean, you're going off like your day is full when you're like on set, but it's you know literally like putting on these ridiculous outfits and doing just like crazy things where they're like, all right, you're gonna you know storm over here with eight like soldiers in like white uniforms behind you like protecting you and then do that like you know 20 times and you're like all right great job everybody go home um that's you know, that's it that's what? a normal day that's, that's what normal people do with your day um but then yeah then being done with that and your girlfriend being like all right so the dog is you know having diarrhea you taking care of that one <laughs> like oh right human life yes right, of course, right. that thing. yeah uh, so that's always fun and then like going on to something like fantasy island it must be like go 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 we gotta get this in the can mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely i mean again it's also just like it's, there's no zombies in fantasy island right <laughs> so there's there should, should be, be though. and we could pitch those. Yeah, Ooh, right. run! All right, I'm gonna go talk to the show. Yeah, you got some, got some calls to make. Yeah, don't walk, don't <laughs> run, run, run. show runner. Yeah, um, but uh, but yeah, no, it's like it's just it's it's wild to go into a universe like that. And that one's obviously also just it's it's a lot more whimsical, fun right. in a way. It's a lighter show, obviously. Um, and for me, it was huge because it's the first time um, in like a guest star where I got to have facial hair consistently because uh, I uh, play a lot of boys. Um, right, and so right. it's very exciting when when somebody's like, "No, we're going to allow you to cosplay as a man." Right, um, so cosplay as a man. Very, very excited for that. Um, so yeah, that should be out in the winter, actually. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I look forward to it. Yeah, whimsical, a little bit of a break from the from the seriousness, grudging, dueling. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's really great. Mm -hmm. I'm happy for you. Thank you. I, feel, I felt that. We mosey on over to the artist's alley containing fan art from artists like Benny Miller, Sookie Martinson, Inner Demon Cross, Rob Pryor, Scott Spillman, Walker Wynn, and also Kirk Manley. In case you missed it, we did a featurette containing a small interview with Kirk Manley that you should check out on our YouTube channel. It's one of those featurettes that really cannot be transcribed to audio, unfortunately, but the link to that video is in the description of this podcast. In any case, we stop and marvel at one of his pieces containing actress Lauren Ridloff playing her part as Connie on The Walking Dead, and he muses on her acting prowess. It was such a treat to get that episode, too, as a fan. I was like, oh, let's do a uh, The People Under the Stairs episode. <laughs> I, I love that, like, kind of just being like, this is, because it, it's not one-off, but it does feel like it, it, it's going off to do its own thing. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, also, again, like, you talk about things about, like, inclusivity, like, bringing in, like, what survival would be like for somebody who's deaf is, like, a fascinating, fascinating experience. And I think doing so in a way where it's, like, she's, I mean, far from helpless. She's, like, a very, very savvy in figuring out how can she use these kind of things, um, which I think, I mean, is something that Walking Dead has done for a while, but uh, I don't think it gets appraised sum enough. And obviously, Lauren Ridloff is one of the best actors. Oh yeah, very motive with what she's, what she has. I mean, there, there's a lot to say about physical acting. I mean, like this shot, like, I remember like that. You know, but like seriously, I've seen her eyes in that and I was just like, oh my God, like like just taking notes and be like, okay, that's how you, but that's how you do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, she's amazing at that stuff. I feel yeah. like she must've just studied so much of like older cinema and been like, okay, how did they used to do things? Cause I don't know, she has a way with like every single like little attention on her face that, I mean, you know, just has to take years and years and years of practice. I, uh, Mitchell's I Found Them Rick G on Twitter. Nice. And he says, um, who has been your favorite person to work with? That's hard. I mean, and I seriously mean this because, like, there have been so many great ones. Yeah. I've said this multiple times before. But like a scene partner, right? Well, for me, a big one is, um, is 
Josh Eugene. Oh yeah, okay. Um, Josh McDermott. Josh McDermott was the first person I got to meet from like the series regulars, um, and I can't sing it enough, but he is like the nicest human being in the world. Um, before, our, the first thing we do is like when he punches me in the face, um, but like we did like a cast reading of that episode, and this is during COVID, so I'm gonna be doing this on Zoom. Um, and the second we finish, I get a text from him being like, hey, this is Josh McDermott, this is my number. If you need anything, like, welcome to the family. Like, couldn't have been more inviting. Um, and so we come in for um, a fight call just to kind of prep the punch. Um, and I was just, I kind of opened up to him and I was like, hey, man, like, thank you so much for doing that. Because, like, I'll be honest, like, I, this is intimidating. This is a huge show. This is the biggest thing I've been a part of. And I, you know, just don't want to screw it up. Um, and he was just like, dude, that was me on my first day. I completely feel you. Um, and then he was talking about how, like, you know, Andrew Lincoln set the precedence of, like, anybody who comes onto the show, we treat them like family and let them know that we're here to raise everybody up. Um, and that was just, I feel so grateful that that was my first, like, like, you know, breath into the show because it really, like, from the very beginning settled me and, like, let me know, like, no, you can, you can take space here and we will all try to help you build, like, your character and, you know, there are no mistakes, we'll just do it again. Right, it's, it's not like, hey, figure it out. Yeah, like, or just, like, I mean, dude, you're on a top-budget show, like, move, move, move. Um, you know, he's saying, like, you know, if you're here, it's because you deserve to be. And there was just something very, you know, humbling and, and grounding about hearing that. Um, and I got to like, you know, even if like there was several times where like I'm working on a scene and he just was walking by that day because he was doing something else, which like, again, you do not have to do that. You can go home, you know, and nobody in their right mind would ever blame an actor for doing that. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. So no, the guy is like, he's, he's a true like team captain in a lot of ways and really that's awesome. wants to be there for other people on the show. Yeah. I, I, and that's such a great thing to hear. Like he and both uh, Seth Gilliam. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the yep. two characters who were treated most like dirt in the real world. Yeah, having the the heart to really kind of raise you up and mm-hmm. trying to. Well, I mean, especially considering what you might face within the real world, but probably not because the fans have kind of all consolidated. I think. Yeah, I think really lucky, but like, you know, great. And you kind of like walked in when when all this kind of died down, mostly. Yeah, no, but I mean, like, I was talking to him obviously about like some yeah. of that kind of stuff, and it's tough. And I, you know, I I don't know. I have a lot of strong opinions, obviously as an actor, but like as just also a fan of things like it, I, it rarely would I ever consider that to be an actor's fault and like you know you take like Eugene right, it's right. like I understand people are pissed because of some of the actions Eugene takes but like A I think that Josh does an amazing job at that character I mean if you read the comics I think he's like pretty spot on like I was reading the comics with Josh's voice like a lot of the times <laughs> um, because I, just, I think he just nails it and like right. you know he, I mean and he has some like hard dialogue because he always has to speak in those very like letters uncouth yeah, you know exactly. kind of weird things that like really quickly at some at that time yeah so. you wouldn't you wouldn't normally be saying so I mean I you know I think that's just one of those things where they're also often tend to be some of the nicest like humble guys who are just just head down do their job really well and and they mm-hmm. you know but Michael I hate leave, leave it at home Michael James Shaw I hate oh yeah, yeah I'm like, sure anyways. Yeah, we fight a lot. He, he sounds like a very cold guy. He's yeah. never coming on the show now. Screw you, Michael. Sorry, Linda. We love Michael. Sorry, Linda. <laughs> um, one of the first times I went up to him, I was like, dude, this is going to be crazy. You're not going to believe me, but I actually originally uh, was in callbacks for your part. And then like late in the game, they were like, maybe, maybe Sebastian instead. Yeah. Yeah. That was the beginning of a friendship. Wouldn't it be funny if like Shaw was Sebastian? <laughs> <laughs> be a great. There's a lot of questions there. Or like in some weird bizarre episode where somebody goes into like a portal of like an opposite universe. Yeah, yeah. And I'm in its universe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they should have like a what if episode. I, I would I, if somebody calls me up, I was like, hear me out. 
What if? What What if? The, you son of a bitch, I'm in. Oh, and like him and Argyle, and 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 mm-hmm. yeah, oh, that'd be great. If Scott Gimple calls me up, and he would, you know, Michael James Shaw would kind of like like it at first, and be like, ooh, I, it's kind of like a nightmare, isn't it? <laughs> oh, I don't know. He, he would like it. We, he was the guy who I probably like. We were, like between takes, we're just doing the most. Like, I was just trying to get him to laugh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I I love that man. Talk about a teddy bear. That is a teddy bear. Uh, he's a sweet, sweet uh, guy in your life. And he's just I don't know. He's like really shy, but it's like in the best possible way. And he definitely comes off that way in social media too. Mm-hmm. He just invites everybody into his world. Yeah, which is so. Who does that? Yeah, no, it's amazing. He's, he's, he's you, awesome. you do somewhat the same thing too, occasionally. Yeah, I know. I'm not as good on social media. Right. Yeah. I mean, your stories lately have been pretty great. While you were on vacation, that would, I was like mentioning, like, oh, that cut me up. I love it. Oh yeah. No, that's it. I mean, you, like you thought of a skit to do <laughs> while you're away. <laughs> like no. Uh, it was mostly my girlfriend because this is all I do okay. always. I mean, is random bits, and she was like, you've got to start filming these things. Yeah. Oh okay. And I was like, <laughs> that is unique too. Like. You'd think that you'd have a spouse or a buzz, and you know, like girlfriend, yeah, right? Yeah. But um, that would be like, okay, bro, leave work at home. Mm-hmm. All right, leave it at home. But like to encourage you to kind of do your. I mean, thing. I, you know, we're both actors, but you know, a big part of the relationship is humor. I don't know. I think that's like a very important cornerstone. So we both obviously just try to make each other laugh. Now this is turning into relationship advice. So first it was uh, New York City social advice, social, uh, and now relationship advice. I think you know you. Date the person you're you're married to. I think that's some of the deepest advice. Yeah. Marry the person you're dating. Don't do that. Don't. Don't do what I just said. Yeah. Um, if you have the option to play any character on the show, would, uh, first of all, would you? If you had to like be in another character's skin, I mean, what would you play on the show? I guess on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, in terms of like who I just really love character-wise, I'm, I'm a huge clan fan. Okay. I love I love Steve Yeun's job in that. Um, but like, yeah, I just think it's such a fun one. He gets this like great view of like, I mean, like you know, a guy who's like just old enough that he is now of use in like a zombie apocalypse, but young enough that like everything in life would be somewhat new to him anyway. Like, I mean, yeah. he's at a point like when he starts where he was a pizza delivery guy. Yeah. So it's like socioeconomically, it's not like he lost a lot in the same way that some people did. Yeah. And so like, he's got a promotion. Yeah, but in a new way, it's like he's like all of a sudden all these skills of like being able to run around the city really well came into you know use in a new way. Um, and it didn't matter before if you were the richest man in Atlanta, you're all on the same level. And I just think like his character journey in that is just so much fun to watch. Yeah. It's always like such a big fact. Well, it says a lot about you too, like uh, to kind of play somebody who has that, I guess depth of heart or moral compass that some people, I call him the heart of the show. Mm-hmm. Usually the first to go. Like Dale, yeah. Dale had some of that too. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like even age-wise, would you have wanted to play Dale? At some point, that kind of like no. I mean, I I love that like that that character and that. Uh, I mean, as you're saying, like that heart of the show, especially because he's really like cementing that whole team together before the glue is in place. Right. He's like the thing that keeps trying. Yeah. You know, as best he can. I mean, he's the one with like any kind of stagely wisdom. I mean, you know, like for me, it was like um, he's kind of the person that everybody turns to. Like, do you have anything that like kind of feels vaguely like this? Because nobody's ever experienced an apocalypse. I mean, I remember talking to like. Uh, you know, older family friends and family members about like the pandemic and being like, is there, does this remind you of anything? Just recently, you were, yeah. you were in, uh, was it Sweden? Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, but I just in, like, in, in like, throughout the pandemic because, like, you know, for somebody, like, I'm, I'm 30, but being like, I don't, I don't have anything I could possibly relate this to. This is, you know, an experience like none other. And obviously, almost every family, every family member was like, I don't either because the last time was like the Spanish flu. 
um, little history lesson for you. Um, but uh, you know, I think that's a big thing of what Dale gets to kind of do is be the 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 moral compass too of like what should we be doing? How do we comport ourselves? Yeah, whether or not he even knows what that is. Mm -hmm. I mean, just somebody to be able to actually say that. Yeah. Mitchell, again, also. Uh, he said, is there one thing, first of all, would you change anything about the character of Sebastian? And if there is, what would be the one thing you tweak in the character? I mean, like, it, it doesn't even have to be canon, but like something that you would like, what if he had this as his backstory? Or what if he had this attribute? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> first thing that comes to mind. It's a, it's a tough one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would say a lot of it, it's hard because there's parts of this that I want to answer, but also like are going like, to come into play with like what's going to come up. Gotcha. Um, but I would just say like, uh, you know, because like when you're getting too set, when you're on the show, you're kind of, you're figuring out from the clues that have been left for you from the writers in a lot of ways. Because I remember like, um, like early on kind of asking like, all right, are we talking like, do we think this is somebody who like, is on a, a spectrum of like being a sociopath, um, or is this much more like the rich kid aspect? Um, is it affluenza? Is yeah, that what it is yeah. called? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but like, yeah. Um, and they were kind of like, we're on more of the affluenza side. And like, I don't know, I want it, like, because especially um, when I'm killing that zombie, there's like a moment where I'm turning around and I'm, I'm excited, like almost like staggering from just the endorphins of like, getting to kill something. And I personally was like, I can't even follow that. Like as a character, like what if he, you know, does like very much, have something, I mean, somewhat in the governor vein where it's like he just doesn't always view people as people. Yeah. Um, that would have been just super to lead into that, yeah. Life. Yeah, so you know, kill people that sort of uh, oh, I'm a, I, I'm a warrior, I'm a, I can do this. I perceive myself as a warrior. I don't maybe like you know, I don't, I you know, if, if I'm telling a guard like shoot that person and they're wondering, you know, moralistically, is that yeah. okay? Yeah. yeah, I'm like, what, why are you even asking me that question? You know, yeah. that kind of stuff. I, I, I really I had a lot of. It sounds really creepy, but I had a lot of fun, you know, thinking in that world and working on that stuff. I promise I'm not a killer. I, I'm a morally somewhat more. Just somewhat went on TV. Yeah, yeah you know, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would definitely say would love to follow in like kind of like what what makes this guy tick when it comes to like killing people and murdering people and that kind of stuff because he's living in a world where like for him. He gets to go out and be like, oh, let's go kill some rotters today. Mm -hmm. Whereas most people, all they're trying to do is avoid. You know, that's a last dish thing is that you're going to kill them. Right, right. For him, it's like, I'm bored today. So that's that's an interesting way of framing that because some of the biggest questions in the fandom is like, and, and outside the fandom, yeah. people who criticize the show is like, oh, why don't you just A, walk away, or, oh, that's not so hard. You know, so you're you're almost answering the question of like, what the f oh, I am I want to be what the fans would think they would be in the apocalypse. Mm. That's that's what you see. So yeah, that's yeah. possibly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, because I mean, he gets a weird certain fan observer status. He's, he's a fan so of the long. show. He's a huge <laughs> fan of the show. Essentially, he's always been asking where Andy. Oh, I could do this. Uh, no, but like again, yeah. it's like because he was so young when it all started, and probably was fairly young when he got to a point where from now on, you know, somebody comes up to you and says like, all right, from now on, you don't need to worry about a zombie breaking in at night. You are safe. Like, mm. you will not have to worry about that any longer. And that is not really the case for most places. I mean, Alexandria is the first time I think they even really kind of, well, maybe the prison, but like they're starting to experience like, okay, maybe actually you can go to sleep and not worry about this, but it's always temporary. Right. But for the people in the Commonwealth, they clearly, if they've gotten to the point they're at, it's been going on for a while. Right. They've had a long, unsustained, or sustained period 
of safety. Tranquility, right? Yeah. You know, which is like, that's, that is a, a, a very rare experience in this universe, obviously. And for him, therefore, there's almost, he's doing the weirdest thing of seeking out danger where most other people are avoiding. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It's like, it's like that um, existential question, right? Like, it, it, which we always ask too. Like, it, one of my biggest things is that it's not enough to survive. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I like to explore is like to, to really hit that heart yeah. and, and say like one of the Tales of the Walking Dead episodes at the end, uh, they have the option of like living in this just super max bunker, yeah. the, the, the top of the line, yeah. but they opt instead to kind of like move in the world yeah. because at the end of the day, safety and security yeah. and, 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 and having... Yeah, is it worth it if you're going to be living inside this? Right, and staying in one place, which is what this guy's been doing the entire time. Yeah, yeah. So you're kind of answering that question. Is it enough? No, it's also just security earlier, but it's like, you know, again, we're not just surviving tonight. It's you're surviving for years and years and years and trying to build a sustainable life, knowing that this is now an unavoidable part of your life. Right. Um, and what, you know, how, how do you mend it? Because at some point you're gonna have to deal with mental health. And right, right. Like, can you live by yourself, you know, in a isolated place or do you need to be around other people? Are all parts that I think you know. If you're going through this for months, you're gonna to have to answer. Right, right. Well, the the bigger question of you know, The Walking Dead allows you to become the person you were meant to be, and mm -hmm. and you know, are the Commonwealth's walls enough to keep that at bay? Mm -hmm. That that oh, this is it, it's over. Did you not know it's yeah. over? So, and then maybe Sebastian Sebastian is kind of keen on that. So he's ahead of the curve, folks. Mm -hmm. The Commonwealth. Well, but I mean, like if you like, I mean, from the people reading like the comics, like in the last issues, they're dealing like Carl's dealing as a grown man with like kids growing up in these days. But, like you know, kids in these days, they don't even think of zombies as like you know a threat anymore. Right. And I just right. think that like, that kind of stuff is super fascinating because you're now getting into what does. What does the point look like when we're crossing over from this being, you know, a uh, category one contagion into this is just something we all live with? This, this is life now. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think we're starting to kind of even see the first bits of that. Mm. You know, what does the first week look like when you no longer have to wear a mask? Right. And right. The Commonwealth is kind of the first place they've gone to where nobody's wearing masks anymore. Right. Right. Oh, this is how it could be. Maybe. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe. Exactly. And then there's the. Possibility of motile slash fast walkers, mm -hmm. which I'm not looking forward to. Which ups the ending, right? It just, oh, it just yeah, says, yeah. "Oh, you thought you were." It's a game safe. And to all the which kind of like thumbs, like puts a thumb in the eye of Sebastian too. It's like, oh, you really wanted this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's no, about yeah, to get no, a whole lot yeah, worse, no, right? You're gonna need some real advanced military right, right, Exactly. But uh, no, but I mean, like you know, and to the naysayers are like, though they're just they're slow moving. It's like the scary thing was never like their speed; it was their numbers. Right. It was like you know, if you get swarmed. And the fact that they rest and, and their yeah. their ability to just keep coming, mm -hmm. right? Whereas you, you get tired, you get hungry, you have to poop. Yeah, I mean, do you have to do you have to poop? Yeah, oh, no, let's exactly. go. That. <laughs> at this point of the interview, we're already at the end of the Living with the Walking Dead exhibit at the Museum of the Moving Image, the last room, which is the fan art room. We noticed that some of Teo's fans, as Sebastian Milton on The Walking Dead, were waiting patiently near the end to speak with him. So we both went over there, answered a whole bunch of questions, both of us actually, talked about The Walking Dead in general, and we're just having some fun. We cut that portion out mostly because it didn't really fit the flow of this current interview. However, since there were so many really cool questions asked, and it was just a really great time to have fun, relax, and talk to the fans, give them some of Teo's time and our time, 
as I was answering some questions about the podcast, we decided that we would take this section out and make it available to our supporters at ko-fi.com slash squawkingdead. You don't necessarily have to join a membership tier to get access to this portion of this interview. It is the entire uncut, unedited video. All you need to do is buy us a coffee. You'll get 30 days of access to our supporter back content, which includes our unedited episode recordings as well as our interview recordings. But should you decide to join a membership tier, you will get that and a whole bunch of other things like Discord access and many other perks. And there are three different tiers to choose from. Thank you for joining us. Of course. Museum of Moving Image. Awesome. And Astoria Queens. Astoria. Uh, as as true pleasure. I, I could do this all day. Unfortunately, I can't keep you. It's illegal. <laughs> so so thank you thank you for coming out no, here. Dude, this was awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. Manhattan, Brooklyn, unite. I know, fine. In love, in Queens, friendship, Buddha Buddha thunk. Yeah. No, thank you so much for making yeah, it. And course, um, man. and uh, we'll. I guess we're gonna see you at the camp. I was gonna say I'll yeah. actually see you fairly soon. Yeah, camp. Check it out. So check fun. check out the camp. And you'll see him very soon. Awesome. So, take care, Teo. Thank you for joining us. Of course. See you later. See you guys. I wanted to take another moment to thank Teo Rappelson for joining us at the Museum of the Moving Image, the Living with the Walking Dead exhibit. I also wanted to thank Bridget, ko-fi.com slash punkybrewster. That's P-O-N-K-Y-B-R-U-I-S-E-T-E-R. Please check her out. She did the camera work for this and her friend Akila and for providing color commentary. I think this interview was a huge success. I think you learned a little bit more about Teo as well as a lot more about his character Sebastian. And you know what time it is. It's time to thank our Survivors and Whispers tier members for the support they give this podcast. It is a little perk that we give at the end of every single episode, both video and audio, for supporting our journey, for funding this podcast, and lending their love, thoughts, and creativity to making this podcast better. Starting with the Survivors tiers, I want to thank Eliza Jones 71 on Instagram and JonesAG6 on Twitter, Jasmine, jasmine.iac on Instagram, FanArtLindy, who had some really great questions during this interview. You can find her at ko-fi.com slash fanartlindy. Linda Jennings, who is the admin of the Facebook group, Walking Dead is freaking amazing. As well as Ryan, at RealRyanGM on Twitter. Moving on to our Whispers tier members, we've got Judith.Morton on Instagram, Aiden Atkin, whom you can catch at ko-fi.com slash Aiden Atkin, at Tyler Philip Cox on both Instagram and Twitter, FrostedAngel67 on Twitter, Sandy.D.Morrison on Facebook, J13Voorhees on both Instagram and Twitter, and MRTNYVet on Twitter. Thank you so much for making it to the end of this episode, for hearing our acknowledgements, and here's to more episodes to come, as well as interviews. We'll be seeing you at the camp very shortly, and Anthony Collins' That's My Viewing Party, the series finale of The Walking Dead Viewing Party, to end all viewing parties. And on to the next one. <laughs>